the lane and jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Hello, hello. Welcome into the Raptors Beat. I'm Nikki alongside Josh here to talk about Raptors basketball. That's not exactly happening right now, Josh. (laughs) Uh, Of course, the Raptors game on Wednesday against the Bulls was postponed. It was a third time in four games. And, Josh, you could almost see this happening, right? After they played New York, the Knicks started reporting positive cases. After they played the Kings, they started. And then with Brooklyn, a game that probably shouldn't have been played when hours before tip-off, they had two more players uh, going into health and safety protocols. And I know hindsight is, you know, this is so it's 50-50 here, but do you think this could have all been prevented? I mean, I'm reluctant to use the word prevent, prevented, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it did seem inevitable for a few reasons. I mean, exposure was unavoidable as long as games were, were still being played. And maybe that's the bigger question. Should the NBA have hit pause? Should they hit pause now? And I'm sure we'll get to that when we talk about the league's approach to all of this and Adam Silver's comments the other day. But as long as games were being played at the rate in which this thing is spreading, not just in the NBA and in professional sports, but around the world, exposure was going to happen. Then when you look at the Raptors' schedule, as you mentioned, they're, they're playing teams that either were in outbreak already or were about to be in outbreak. Uh, So in that sense, it seemed inevitable as well. And then I mentioned the NBA's approach to this. It's sort of been a, a, the show must go on approach is how we're going to go. It's not quite as bad as the NFL's ignorance is bliss approach where they've essentially just stopped testing unless you're symptomatic. But the NBA has been very clear about this. Their preference, their strong preference, is to avoid postponing games, and they have no plans to hit pause on the season. So, yeah, as long as the ball is bouncing, as long as guys are out there and they're playing at a high level of competition, they're at a high risk for for exposure and for spread. So the Raptors, as they did last year, avoided this thing as long as they could, like – I'm having deja vu in some ways, right? Because it was the same kind of idea where last year they were one of the last teams to get hit. This team, this year they were one of the last teams to get hit. But when it hit, it hit hard. And that's what we're talking about right now, a full-on a full on outbreak for the Toronto Raptors. I think that's what gets me, right, is that, you know, we saw what they went through last season and how difficult it was for them to recover after going through it. And all of last week, um, you know, the questions to Nick Nurse and to Fred Van Vliet and to the guys were basically, okay, you know, how nervous are you guys when all this is happening around you? And they were pretty honest saying there is a level of nervousness here, but we have to go out there. Like until we're told otherwise, you know, we have to go out there and and do our job. And, and, you know, you can't help but feel for them because you know that these are guys that have families, they have kids and they have a responsibility to other people, not just, you know, to the job that they, they have and, and to the game that is being played. But you just mentioned the day, the deja vu from last season. Do you think it will be as bad this time around? Well, I hope not. I, I mean, when we're, we're going yeah. back and talking about last year, that, that really was the turning point for a, a season that in some ways seemed doomed from the get-go, right? Like the Raptors hey, we were got displaced. Scotty. They were... 
<laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's, the, it, that's a silver lining, and, and it is a big silver lining. But it, it was a rough year, and even from the start, right? They they started two and eight. They dug themselves that that hole. They were playing in Tampa, so in a lot of ways, they were up against it from the get go. But it, it was in February as the Raptors were turning things around. They were playing their best basketball of the season. They'd won a 10 of 15 games before the outbreak hit in late February, and they weren't able to recover. They were 10 and 28 from there for the rest of the season, and there are a bunch of reasons for that. Obviously, the record comes with the asterisk of they were essentially, I don't want to say throwing games, but they were resting guys late in the season. But the reason why they found themselves in that spot is they had such a hard time recovering from the outbreak uh, guys were were dealing with serious symptoms. Pascal Siakam talked about it at the time. He had lost a whole bunch of weight. Fred Van Vliet spoke about how, how tough it was dealing with the virus and recovering from the virus. Nick Nurse acknowledged that, like, yeah, guys weren't the same when they came back, both because of the long layoff and them needing to get their conditioning back, and obviously just physically and mentally the toll that it took on them, it, it was really hard to recover from that. So, yeah, I mean, deja vu in that the Raptors were playing their best basketball of the season before the outbreak hit again this year. And once again, they were getting closer, creeping closer to 500. The hope now is that things will be different. If for no other reason, then, hey, they're in a different spot this year. The, the Last year when the outbreak hit, that was sort of pre-vaccine. Now everybody on the team is double vaccinated. Some of the guys have their third dose, their booster. And while I don't, I don't know what the Raptors situation is currently in terms of their symptoms and and who's dealing with what but from what we've heard around the NBA this year is that a lot of the players that have tested positive that have come out of the protocols are dealing with minor symptoms no symptoms and and that's a result of the vaccine I know a lot of people say well okay well why 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 are we getting vaccinated people are still testing positive the whole idea of getting the vaccine is so that if you do catch it, the symptoms are more mild. You're not going to the hospital. Worse things aren't happening to you, right? So hopefully the Raptors are in a better place now when they come back from this. Hopefully the silver lining is that with some time off now over the holidays, some of the other injuries will have time to heal. And hopefully when they come back, they're able to pick up where they left off, and maybe even better than that because this is a team that hasn't been healthy all season. So you said when Adam Silver spoke to Malika Andrews of ESPN, um, 97% of the league is vaccinated. About 63% have received their booster. And he said the data that they've collected shows that people who have received their booster shots have shown either no symptoms or very mild ones and have passed the virus through their systems faster, which I think, you know, obviously gives them the confidence to say, we're going to keep this going. We're not going to pause, and we're just going to power through this, regardless of what kind of teams are assembled night in and night out. Uh, We know the Christmas games are coming up, (laughs) what is this, on Saturday here, and these are marquee games for the season that would, you know, be detrimental almost to the league if they were canceled. But, Josh, how do you feel about um, Silver's a decision to keep it going. I know it's a polarizing, you know, it was a polarizing kind of decision to be made because you're going to, I mean, everyone's going to be split on it, but where do you sit? 
Yeah, there are no easy answers here. This is a business, the NBA, first and foremost. And you're right, there's a lot of money at stake. They're still recouping some of those losses from the previous shutdown and throughout this pandemic. And, And yeah, I mean, they've been clear on that. Their preference is to avoid any kind of disruption, even postponing games they've done very reluctantly at this point, and they have no plans on pausing the season at the same time, I mean, we, we've seen over the last couple of years, the virus doesn't care about what your preferences and what your plans are. So they might, there might be a point, and it seems like we're getting there, where their hands are forced a little bit. But yeah, I mean, they're pushing forward here. They want to see that that ball bouncing as as long as as possible. Um, whether or not they pause the season, I, I think my biggest issue is just being smarter with with some of these individual decisions the case by case do we postpone this game do we postpone this game like i said you're you're not going to prevent exposure mm-hmm. I- unless you put this thing on hold entirely and and have guys stay home which which they're not going to do um but some of these decisions i look at individually and i'm like okay well w- what's the thinking here what's the logic here you talked about those three games that the Raptors played before their outbreak against teams that are on outbreak now. The Knicks and the Kings game, like in hindsight, yeah, they, they they weren't reporting cases until after they played the Raptors. So what do you do there? But you don't need hindsight to look at the Brooklyn game and say there were seven Nets players in the protocol including guys that were testing positive up to 30 minutes before the game. <laughs> yeah. I'm h- how do you look at that situation and say okay well let let's throw these guys on the court right now and have them play a game and hope that there isn't further spread. Uh, the game against Chicago which ended up being postponed. I know a lot of people are looking at this now and saying okay well the ra- the, the NBA made the right decision in the end. Did they? Like, yeah, it was the right decision, but did they make it or were they forced to make it? And they still had a Raptors team or whatever was left of them travel to Chicago where OG Ananobi, who was on that plane, tested Mm -hmm. positive afterwards, exposed everybody else who was around him and on that plane. And these aren't like these aren't shocking things, right? Like we we know this. Like I said, they, there were people testing positive, players testing positive, in multiple waves here, different days. Siakam and Banton on on Saturday, um, Gary Trent a couple days later, then Van Vliet and Malachi Flynn, then Barnes and, and Achua, then Ananobi. Like we're in outbreak here, and if there are guys testing positive, just because there are other guys that are testing negative, there there is no reason to be confident that those same players will test negative again the following day and that's what makes this thing so tough to control but I guess what I'm saying here is I don't feel confident in saying that the NBA is doing everything they can to control it it's interesting because they, they, the teams don't actually come out and say who has tested positive, right? For obvious reasons. These are people's medical records, and they, they deserve to, to have their privacy. Um, so they, they just use this blanket statement of, the, of people entering protocols. So we're just assuming and speculating who's positive and who's not. And, and you can do the math by, like, 
the number of days that they're out and whatnot. And that's something that Adam Silver is looking into changing the, the, the protocols in that regard. Like if um, right now it's 10 days, right? Um, where players have who are vaccinated and boosted, um, they can move away. From, they're looking to move away from that. I guess my question to you now is like, okay, so these games have been canceled. There've been what, nine, 10 games. How do they make up for them? Or do they make up for them? Yeah, well, I, I think they're going to try and get as close as possible. So we know that the local TV contracts require at least 72 games. It was between 70 and 72 games in, in order to, um, in order for the requirements to be met and, and for teams and the league to make money off of those TV deals, uh, w- which is why we saw last year, even in a shortened season, that's where they got that 72-game mark from. It wasn't just a random number. So, yeah, I mean, I think the NBA can get and, w- and we saw this even a couple of years ago. Teams ended up playing different amounts of games. Even after the restart, there were some games that were at one number and other teams that were at another number. Maybe that's where we went, end up. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to try and get these games made up. I think I- ideally for them, once the numbers, the case counts settle down a little bit, after the holidays, maybe after the All-Star break even. But, yeah, I mean, it's tough, and that's where you get into other things. And, and this is why I say this is why I say the NBA needs to, to have a little bit of nuance in these decisions that they're making regarding which games to postpone and which games not to postpone because it's not just now about the risk of, of COVID and, and the health risk, and, and that's certainly there too. But he, here are my biggest concerns when it comes to trudging ahead and pushing forward right now one you've got the increased injury risk and that's something if we're going to look at the raptors game against chicago which was postponed was anybody comfortable playing og ananobi major minutes in that game if he if he if he didn't test positive let's say ken birch was able to go do you want to play him major minutes in that game when both of those guys are coming off month-long absences and are, are still getting back from from their serious injuries alongside we're, we're guys they around. don't know <laughs> yeah it, it, exactly so yeah i mean when you're dealing with depleted rosters there's always going to be that increased risk of injury so i think that's one thing two is the product itself was anyone looking forward right. to watching that version of the raptors whatever it would have been taking the court on, on wednesday with replacement players, guys who have never even met, let alone played with each other. I will uh, say, though, seeing... Josh, would you rather have replacement players and, and watch that or, or no basketball at all? Because I remember what it was like when there were no sports, yeah. and that was really painful, too. So, no, I mean, it's But then fair. again, it's, watching it's... that Warriors game on Saturday, you know, if you yeah. were a Warriors fan, it was pretty painful as well. And we're seeing it around the NBA, right? Like, I know there's all these memes, all these uh, pictures floating around on Twitter of, like, the two starting lineups in certain games where teams are hit hard and and all their stars are out. And and it's like probably Charles Barkley's nightmare, who he played for. Nobody knows anymore who who anybody (laughs) plays for. Um, So, yeah, I would say there's the concern about the product. And then the final thing that I'll say, because I know a lot of people, we talked about it earlier, if the symptoms are mild and and all these guys are, these NBA players, they're young, they're in great shape, and and they're not dealing with 
serious symptoms if they get the virus, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, why not take the NFL's approach and, and just test guys that are symptomatic and have people play through the virus? What's the big deal? The big deal, and this is why I, I feel icky talking. I don't mm-hmm. It's a weird word. Um, I, I feel uncomfortable talking about the whole thing is like, even if you're fully vaccinated, even if you're asymptomatic, you can still pass the virus on to people who are less equipped to fight it off. Right. These players, they're NBA players, but they're not bubbled. They, they're, they're human beings. They're, they have lives. They're out in the community. They have families. They're doing other things. So, yeah, I mean, if you have it, you can spread it to a, an, a, a, a a team or uh, an arena employee, an, an older or immunocompromised person. You could spread it to a fan. You could spread it to a loved one. And that's the concern. That's why I say the, the NBA doesn't just have a responsibility to its players. The NBA has a, a greater responsibility. And I'm not sure that they're fulfilling that responsibility by just sitting on their hands and saying, okay, well, there's going to be spread. We have to deal with it. We have to play through it because it's bigger than just whether or not the players are able to recover from the virus. And with that, I'll say one more Adam Silver quote, which made me feel icky about it all. Uh, he said, our ability to find a way to keep operating is also significant for society to show that there are ways, despite living in this COVID era, that we can find a safe and responsible way to keep going. And that's really, that's the key, though, safe and responsible. And I don't know if they have a safe and responsible way because you can't, how, how do you limit it, right? But I want to ask you a question before we, we get to a break here because the, the Raptors haven't had, obviously, any practices. They're, they're doing individual workouts with, with different coaches. Uh, as media, we haven't had any access to them because they haven't had, again, any availabilities. How have you been able to navigate through this and do your work and the writing that you need to do and get information? Yeah, it's been difficult and understandably so, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not as a, as a media member, I'm not clamoring for availabilities right now or for access to this team. I get it. Like this is bigger than basketball. <laughs> yeah. They've got to they've got to get healthy and 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 they've got to and they're entitled to their privacy as well. And that's another thing. Yeah. This is a time, and I know this is a, a different show that we're doing here. We're we're not going to we're preempting the uh the kalos this week because who are we going to get points to negative 100 points to the nba but i mean aside from that like we we don't have a lot of basketball to talk about but even when we did like even when there were games being played when the raptors were playing and i mean there are nba games being played it does feel weird to talk about basketball right now um, we definitely don't want to be talking about this. Listen, the last few months when things were start, starting to feel normal again and, and we had basketball to talk about, it was great. That was that was really nice after the year and a half that we've been through. Uh, we don't want to be talking about COVID, but it also feels weird to talk about anything else right now, right? Exactly. No, it, it, it just doesn't feel right to. And it, it isn't, and as much as it is, exhausting to to talk about and to listen to it it is the reality what's going on with this team and and you're right they they deserve their their space and their privacy and as much as we try to get information from them there's really not much to to squeeze out of out of this stone right now so whenever we put it this way i don't think anybody 
I don't think anybody is complaining about them not playing on Christmas Day this yeah. year. They they need this time. It's a fortunate timing if you're going to have to deal with an outbreak that it's over this this mini break that the Raptors have in their schedule. So uh, hopefully they get healthy here in terms of what next week looks like. I mean, who knows? Uh, their who their knows? next scheduled yeah. game is on Sunday in Cleveland. The Cavs are dealing with an outbreak as well. Eight players, like yeah. the Raptors, have eight players in the protocol. But they played last night using replacement players. Uh, but for the Raptors, I mean, we, we found out about this rule. I didn't even know this was a thing uh, until the game was postponed in Chicago that you need at least five regular roster players. You need at least eight players, but three of them can be replacement guys. You need at least five regular roster players to play. Right now, the Raptors don't have that. And assuming, as you mentioned earlier, you need 10 days to at least 10 days to clear uh, out of the protocol or... Uh, two negative tests 24 hours apart. Assuming that it's 10 days, Siakam and Banton were the first to go into the protocol. They went in before the Warriors game on the 18th. Saturday, they yeah. wouldn't clear until the 28th. Uh, that's the day uh, of next Tuesday, the 76ers game, meaning that it's unlikely any of these guys are going to clear by Sunday. So in order for the Raptors to be eligible to play that game, they're going to need some of these other roster players who are hurt. Ken Birch uh, with the knee injury, Champagny, a non-COVID illness, David Johnson, the calf injury. They're going to need at least one, maybe two of those guys to be available. And that's assuming that nobody else tests positive between now and Sunday. And given what we've seen I'm not sure anybody is confident in saying that that's not going to happen either. So uh, basically the answer is who knows at this point when <laughs> when this team plays again. The irony is when we spoke to Precious Achua after the game on Saturday against the Warriors, he was talking about you know his isolation time and how frustrating it was because he didn't have COVID. He kept testing negative, but just all that time that he had and he was using it to apparently he's a cook. He loves to cook. Who had any who had any clue about that? And so and then here he is, you know, isolating once again. Okay, we're gonna have more of the Raptors beat coming up after the break. Uh we're gonna dip into the mailbag, aren't we, Josh? We got some questions to answer. The people want to We're gonna to do the mailbag. We're gonna do the mailbag and then we've also got we we teased this on Twitter, we've got a first and, and hopefully last Raptors beat replacement player draft. We talked about it. The NBA is committed to pushing forward, and what that has meant is replacement players. Uh, so we've seen it around the league. Uh, I mean, it is sort of a, a silver lining in all of this, some cool stories where guys are getting their first opportunity, um, their first shot at the NBA, or in some cases, some familiar names, Joe Johnson, our old friend C.J. Miles in Boston. So we are going to draft our own team's of replacement players, guys that aren't in the NBA that we want to see sign a 10-day. So we're going to do that later in the show um, and, and hopefully have some fun with that. Let's do it. More Raptors Beat coming up after the break. Welcome back to the Raptors Beat. Josh and Nikki with you. And we're going to dig into the mailbag this week, taking some questions from the listeners. And, Nikki, we got some good ones this week. We're going to start off. With one from you, Dave, who asks, how realistic of a chance do you think the Raptors have at securing a top 10 pick? We're already, we're already talking about that. We're already there. We're already giving <laughs> up. Uh, a lot of they... tanking adjacent questions. Well, 
I mean, when things are looking as grim as uh, they are right now, it's hard not to let your mind go there. I would say that the Raptors, you know, seemingly in the last four or five, maybe five, six games, were turning things around um, this season. So there was reason for optimism. Again, though, it was it's injuries that have been plaguing them before all this uh, COVID protocol nonsense, right? Um, that has been the real detriment to this team. So it's hard to really see what they are or who they can be or what their potential is because they've been hardly been on the floor together. Um, but what do you think? How realistic is it for them to secure a top 10 pick? And do you want well, them I, I to? Mean, is, that what, is that the goal here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's the Raptors as, a, as an organization. I, I don't think that's their goal. I, I don't. I mean, listen, if that's the way that it ends up playing out, then like last year, I think they find a way to make the best of it. But They've been pretty clear. Their their goal is to develop these young guys in a winning environment and try to balance those two things, the short-term and the long-term. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're anywhere close to talking about tanking. If anything, it's, it's the opposite direction right now. The Raptors, prior to uh, the, this outbreak, had won four of – Sorry, I should say five of seven games. They're a game below 500. And when you look at the Eastern Conference standings, I mean, yeah, they're not that far from the bottom of the standings, but they're also not that far from the top. That's how bunched up things are. Uh, the, the Raptors are in 10th right now, so they'd be in a play-in seed if the season ended today, but they're also one game out of sixth place, one game out of being locked into a playoff spot and avoiding the play-in game altogether. Um, you've got seven teams that are all within two games bunched up there in the middle of the East. And I also think there's an opportunity here, right? Because even when you look at the top of the league, like, yeah, you probably want to avoid Milwaukee and Brooklyn in the first round, and there's your incentive to avoid the play-in game. But outside of that, like Chicago's really good, and they're having a good season. But we talk about it every year with these young, up-and-coming teams. Is like there's a there's a learning curve in the playoffs. I, I'm not sure that you're afraid necessarily to play Chicago in in the playoffs. I, I don't think you'd be intimidated by Cleveland as fun as they've been this year. Washington, it, it's a weird it's a weird season. Like Philadelphia. I mean, for obvious reasons with Ben Simmons, and they've dealt with COVID and injuries as well. They haven't been great. Boston is 500. Atlanta is out of the playoffs altogether right now. So if, if you're the Raptors, I, I don't think you're looking at this and, and, and looking at mock drafts and draft picks and all that stuff, lottery balls, quite yet. Like I, I think you, you're hopeful, as we talked about earlier, that you'll be able to come out of this thing, that hopefully guys will be able to bounce back from from COVID and, and have some time here to recover from their injuries. Hopefully the Raptors can get healthy here. And then I agree with you. I think that yeah. there's some upside to this team that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, there definitely is a lot of bunched up teams and a lot of parity, a lot of room for, for teams to you know leapfrog each other. I think at the end of the day, you, you hit on it. It comes down to development of this team, right? And the one thing you don't want to develop is a losing culture or you know getting used to losing because that's something that this franchise just uh, isn't used to. I mean, you can argue okay, they you know made the playoffs for 7 8 straight years and um, you know what did we come what came of that? Um, but what was developed was this this 
this culture of winning and in this standard. Yep. And so with all these young guys and the, these young guys that you want to develop, you want to plant that seed. And, and you know Fred Van Vliet uh, is going to do everything he can uh, to make sure that that happens. Okay, let's, let's keep on moving here. Mark asks, what is the upside of OG? Can he end up being like a Kawhi player? Ooh, that's a high I'm, standard, Josh. I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm hesitant to say that anybody <laughs> can be a Kawhi-like player. That's a high bar. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like Kawhi wasn't Kawhi early on in his career. I don't think anybody saw this coming with Kawhi. It was sort of a similar trajectory with Kawhi where he had a, a more limited, specific role on that San Antonio Spurs team that was competing for and winning championships. He was the third, fourth, and in some cases even the fifth option on the floor. It sort of reminds you of OG where OG was asked for for most of his career to this point to defend his position, something that Kawhi has always done really well, and to be a a spot-up three-point shooter. That's something that Kawhi developed into. But it wasn't until later on in in his career that Kawhi got a bigger workload and, and his role expanded and he developed into this incredible elite two-way player so I I don't know I mean I I think OG listen at minimum we know the ceiling is high just in terms of like we know he's already a really good starter in the NBA a two-way player at minimum we know he's a three and D guy and at that position with the versatility he has those guys are super valuable and are always going to be really really valuable and then yeah now that we're seeing his role expand and he's showing that he's capable of doing more in an expanded role there is that excitement of thinking okay well he can be a lot more than this so I'm not going to say Kawhi is the bar but I will acknowledge there's a lot of similarities there not just in terms of their personality and even in terms (laughs) of their games and the things that they can do their body types but even in terms of the trajectory there is some similarities there for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and the Kawhi bar is is a high one to, to live up to. Um, the one thing about OG, he's he's obviously improved every year uh, that he's been with the team. But, and this is to no fault of his own. He just has, like, injury issues, like the, the appendicitis yeah. that kept him out of, you know, the, the, the championship run. And then this year with a hip pointer that just just was nagging and didn't seem to go away. So I feel like we haven't been able to see his full potential and he hasn't been able to reach that full potential and see how good he can be because he's always been sidelined. And then, you know, you have to work his way back into to game shape and, and all that stuff. So he's always kind of been behind the eight ball in that regard. But but if there it's, is it's upside, a really good point, too, because I know a lot of people are concerned about the durability there. And, and I've heard that a lot over the last few months, even with this hip pointer. But the thing about a hip pointer, it's like it's not a nagging thing that it's not a soft tissue thing exactly it's it's a fluke injury that that happened can happen to anybody Uh, yeah i mean i just think it's it's a series of yeah yeah i mean i I think it's just a series of unfortunate events for og i agree with you it's tough that it's tough for him to continue to build when there's been all these setbacks and he's had to come out of the lineup and all that but here i mean this seems like it's been a show of trying to find silver linings i'll throw another one out at you for og maybe the silver lining in in all the the unfortunate injuries the fluke injuries that he's dealt with here is that there is less mileage on his body that he's not one of these guys 
guys that's played a ton of minutes that has had to carry a huge workload maybe he is more he's going to be more durable and more sustainable over the course of his career because he hasn't played a ton of minutes and because he hasn't um had to to do a lot when he's been on the floor so I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see when it comes to OG. But another Ananobi-related question from Raiden. Raiden wants to know, will the Raptors eventually have to trade either OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam so that they can accommodate a true center in their starting lineup? I mean, it's something that people have talked about just in terms of roster construction. The Raptors have a lot of similar players, similar size players, similar players in terms of position. Uh, will they have to make a trade just to uh, accommodate some better roster construction? Do they want to is the question. And I don't know that the answer to that, but I think you're right. There's a, there's redundancy in this team that they don't have a true center. And right now I can't say that it hasn't been working. Because, again, we haven't been able to see Cam Birch out there as often as we want to. Uh, and even Precious, who is still so young in his development and has shown so much um, growth since he's been with the Raptors already. Since if you look at him game one and where he is now, uh, he's definitely shown some much improvement, I should say. Um, I, 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 I don't know the answer to that. I don't think you can keep all the, all the guys that you want to. You know, we were talking about last this last, uh, I think, pod. Well, when Indiana was talking about having a fire sale, right? You're, if you want to get uh, someone like uh, I, 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 whoever, Demontis Sabonis, you know, you you will have to make room for it. Um, do you think they would? But do you think they would get would part ways with OG or, or Pascal? Well, I, OG is not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I think he is as close to untouchable he and Scotty Barnes as this team has right now. Um, super friendly contract of, too, right? Like super. Oh, exactly. Super Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think first things first, you want to see these guys out there together. That was the whole idea. They have this great yeah. experiment of let's put as many uh, interchangeable, versatile, long and athletic wings together as possible and see what happens. We haven't seen what happens. That's the thing is they've only played the four guys, the four, the core four of Barnes, Siakam, Ananobi, and Van Vliet. We've only seen them in two games this year. And let's face it, Pascal Siakam was just returning from surgery. He wasn't the version of Pascal Siakam that he is even right now or before the, uh, before the, the outbreak. Uh, they need to see what this looks like before making any kind of decision and in, in, in blowing it up or, or trading any of those guys. I mean, maybe if there's a no-brainer trade out there that's available and maybe it costs you Pascal Siakam, I, I think it's something that they would consider. But uh, is it something that they're looking to do or even something – I'm not willing to say that they have to do it because I do think right. those guys can coexist, especially I know there was some concern about, well, Scotty Barnes, what if Scotty, yeah. what if he can't shoot? Like, what what do they do with him then? Does it become harder to fit these pieces in? But his shot has looked good. These are all four of them guys right now that look like they can spread the floor. It looks like all four of them can handle the ball and make plays. So that's exciting to me. I do think at some point they need to address the center position more so than they have. I do think you need a bigger body in there, more of a traditional center in the mix. But I don't think that you are required to break up what you've got, what you're building here in order to get that done. So 
we'll see. But uh, some good questions there. Thanks to everybody for sending those in. Uh, on the other side of the break, we've got something fun planned. Uh, replacement players are the story right now in the NBA. And it, it's been a, a bit of a cool one right now in that there are guys that are getting an opportunity that wouldn't have otherwise. In some cases, it's their first shot at the NBA. In other cases, we've seen some fun and familiar names resurface. But Nikki and I were thinking, okay, well, who else do we want to see? Who else could get that shot, could sign that 10-day? So we've been putting together our lists, our our board, and, and we're going to have our first and hopefully last <laughs> the Raptors beat replacement draft coming up after this. We'll see who would win, who has the better team. Is it Team J. Lou, Team Nikki? We'll find out afterwards here on the Raptors beat. Welcome back to the Raptors beat. And, Nikki, here we go. The replacement okay. player draft. We know the NBA, they want to keep the ball bouncing at any cost. And they've turned to replacement players. It's been a cool story over the last week or so where we've seen some guys get their first NBA opportunity. We've seen some familiar names resurface. Our old friend CJ Miles in Boston, Lance Stevenson, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Johnson, who got his first bucket in a while. Uh, last night for the Celtics. And the question is, who's next? I, I woke up yesterday to an email with odds on, on which team is going to sign Adam Sandler, as in, yes, the actor Adam Sandler. In, in case you're wondering, the Nets are the favorite. That's something that you can bet on, apparently. So that's where we got this idea. What if we draft our own team of replacement players? So here are the rules. There aren't many of them. The only rule is they can't currently be in the NBA. These are, we, We've got to draft people that we want to see sign a 10-day. Okay, one other rule. No time travel allowed. If if we are taking Michael Jordan, we're getting the 2021 version of Michael Jordan, not the 95-96 right. version of Michael Jordan. But aside from that, you can take anyone you want. The first overall pick goes to Nikki Reyes. Nikki, you're on the clock. Oh, okay. Uh, da -da -dun, dun -dun. Um, first overall pick. I'm going to go with, for me, I'm starting with my floor general. My, my go-to guard, my ball handler, and I am selecting – oh, this isn't hard. I don't know. Who I, <laughs> I, I have Becky Hammond on my, on my list. Oh, okay. Um, she's a, obviously a great ball handler, attacker, uh, great read, great facilitator. She's, uh, she's obviously smart, knows the game. She's, you know, basketball IQ through the wazoo. I think she could still play. I think she still got it. And for a 10-day contract, I'm going to go with Becky Hammond. And I wanted to really go outside the box here and, and see what she can bring working alongside some other some of the other people that I have chosen. How about you? I like it. I like it. It's a good pick. Um, I, I'm going to go with the old man. I'm going to go with Vince Carter. He, he's 44, but yeah. he's still got it. We've seen it. It hasn't been that long. I his dunking days, I mean, he can still throw one down here and there. I'm not sure that we're going to be seeing the windmills and tomahawks and all of that, but the veteran leadership is there, and I think he can still give a team some good minutes. And, and certainly if the Raptors are looking at bringing somebody in, hey, Vince Carter would be a fun story, wouldn't it? So 
My first pick, the second overall pick of the replacement draft, Vince Carter. He wasn't he asked about it last night on the broadcast whether or not he he would come back. I think he was joking that he he's got like a a jersey in in the back waiting for him. But um, he probably so there could. you go. Team, Team J. Lou is going to send him a jersey. We'll give him a call. <laughs> Okay, my second pick, I'm going to go with someone in that same vein, a little bit older, but I think for ten, for a 10-day contract, his knees will hold up, and it is Tim Duncan, five-time NBA champ. I know he's retired. He's in the Hall of Fame, and, and you know, he, he's, he looks a little bit wobbly. But for 10 days, again, basketball IQ, leadership, that championship mentality – I think he'll be able to deliver it. And, you know, you're also thinking about what he'll be able to, like, impart on the younger guys on, on, on the Raptors, assuming that they were back because, I don't know, how this fantasy is working. But I'm going with Tim Duncan as my second pick. How about you? Well, he's no, long, no longer coaching, right? Like, he, he dipped right. his toe in, in the coaching waters. So he, nope. he's available. He's available. I like yeah. it. Um, oh, I, I want to take Kia Nurse, but – She's recovering from the ACL injury, right? That's I'm not sure why I didn't. That's her... why I didn't name her exactly. Right, right. So, okay, <laughs> she honorable mention for Kia Nurse. I, mm-hmm. I, again, no time, no time travel. I wish I could go back pre-injury or or once uh, once she's back on the court. But um, I'm, I'm going to go with Candace Parker. Ah, damn it! Uh, did I did I steal yep. your pick? Stole it. Damn, knew it. Yeah, good pick. Yep. Okay, who you got? Well, I was going to say Candace Parker, but I guess not Candace Parker anymore. Um, <laughs> okay. It's a great you know feeling. I love that in fantasy drafts when you when you take somebody that the, the next person wants to take, and you could just see that look in their face like, ooh, now, okay, what's plan B? That's As a but, fantasy drafter, that's the most satisfying feeling. Well, this one is kind of out of the box and stupid, but I don't care because I like him a lot, and I've seen him play in – the NBA All-Star Games, and he's a riot. I'm going with Kevin Hart. Not for oh, anything about skill or talent on the basketball court per se, but what he can bring to a beleaguered team that is going through it and that could use some cheering up and probably some laughs. I'm going with Kevin Hart. Yeah. I thought maybe you were going to take Adam Sandler. <laughs> I don't. Adam Sandler's more uh, <laughs> annoying funny to me than funny funny, but I think he's a better baller than kevin hart but anyway Kev- kevin hart is not annoying funny to you uh i mean he could be you're right okay that's true that's part of the gig i guess but well in, nonetheless. The, in the same in the same vein i'm gonna go with the global ambassador let's see what drake has let's see okay. we've seen him as, as the super fan we've seen him as the massager of nick nurse and and talking trash on the sidelines and all of that let's see what he's got let's let's give him a shot okay i like that that's a good one. And you know he's going to, like, dress you guys to impress, and you guys are going to look good. There will always be good music around, so there's that as well. Yeah. Um, okay. For, okay, my, my – what am I – fourth pick here? Your fourth okay, pick. Okay, I'm going to go with another guy who's recently retired. Uh, instant offense. This team needs shooting. This team needs to stretch the floor. I'm going with Kyle Korver. Bring him back, Josh. Kyle Korver's on my team. Okay, well, I'm gonna I, one of the best shooters of all time. And speaking of which, I I like that we have these themed rounds, right? Like you you went celebrity, <laughs> I went celebrity, so you went shooter. Give me Ray Allen. Give him a chance oh, to get his record back from Steph. <laughs> 
Yeah, I right. don't know what the cardio, I don't know what his conditioning and his cardio is like, but I, shooters don't forget how to shoot, right? So right. I, I yeah. think Ray Allen could still, if nothing else, he could be a spot-up shooter on Team J. Lou. Give me Ray Allen. Okay, I like that. That's not a bad choice at all. And I like that. You're right. He's probably going to be hungry and he's going to hog the ball and try to, you know, close that gap with Steph. But no one's ever going to catch uh, Steph. Okay. For your fifth and final pick, I want, I want, I'm going to give it to you. I want, I want to hear what you have to say. Because then it will determine really? what I have to say. Okay. Yeah, what, if yeah, I yeah. what if I steal your pick? You won't. You won't. I promise. Go for it. Okay. Wow. A trade. This is yeah, a, a first trade in a replacement <laughs> draft. It, it's. <laughs> A draft We're pick doing swap. It all. I, uh, in preparation for this draft yesterday, I sat down and like literally any name that came to mind. I, I have like a list of 20 people. So this is tough, but I want some CanCon. Well, I guess I already have some CanCon with Drake on my team. But I'm going to go off the board a little bit here and, and take a player who really does deserve an NBA opportunity, uh, a guy that's always been a favorite of mine, Melvin Edgem, who's playing overseas right now. He's in Slovenia, so I don't know how realistic it would be to get out of that contract and to actually sign a 10-day. Melvin Edgem, he's a guy that has put in work for the Canadian national team over the years, always answers the call, always shows up. Um, and it's shocking to me that he hasn't gotten that NBA opportunity. Yeah. I know he was in camp with the Orlando Magic a number of years ago, but has never really gotten that chance. And, I mean, he's a modern-day wing, the type of player uh, that can do a little bit of everything on both ends of the floor, does the dirty work, uh, a, a really great, high-character guy in the locker room as well. So he is more than welcome on Team J. Lou as my final pick, taking Melvin Edgem. That's a good call. I like that. I'm going to go really out of the box for mine. And I don't even know what position he's playing. I just want him on my team. I'm going with the Gypsy King, the heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson Fury. I just Ooh, want a big body on, my, on the floor, set hard screens. He's got good hands, got cardio for days. Let's see if he can, you know, take some lobs from Fred Van Vliet, assuming Freddie's playing. I'm going with Tyson Fury. I just think he's so going to bring that go. toughness. Yeah. Team Nikki, Becky Hammond, Tim Duncan, Kevin Hart, Kyle Korver, Tyson Fury. <laughs> Team J. Lou. <laughs> what? Vince Carter, Candace Parker, Drake, Ray Allen, Melvin Edgem. We'll post these teams to Twitter, see... Who would win in a game between our two teams? We also uh, put this out to the listeners. Who would you take in a replacement player draft? Danny says, give me Shaq. Yoel says, Pau Gasol. Ron Johnson says, Mark Gasol. We have a whole bunch yeah, of yeah. Vince Carters. That, of course, was my first pick. Uh, Jeremy Lin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Arad, uh, the great producer of First Up. He's got a top five here. Zach Randolph, Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes, former Raptor, Andrea Bargnani, Raptors legend, NBA champion, Jody Meeks, I think was playing pretty recently in the big three, so he could mm. still play as well. Lots of good answers here. We'll see who is next to get that 10-day. Uh, for us, uh, please continue to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, follow, rate, and review. We really appreciate the feedback. And as always, we appreciate everybody 
tuning in. Thanks, as always, to Chris Diavero back in studio. And for everybody, uh, a safe and healthy, happy holidays. Uh, enjoy the holiday season and um, be well. We'll be back with you here next week on the Raptors Beat.